I thank you so much, Lord, for your gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, through Jesus, we have hope. We have a hope of eternal uh, advent with you, Lord, the, the, the return of you, and Lord, that we would spend eternity with you. And so, God, I just pray right now across this congregation, Lord, you know every need, you know every situation, you know every circumstance that people are going through, God. And I just pray that you would supernaturally just begin to minister to people right now. Begin to speak to their spirit, Lord. I pray that, Lord, where there may be uh, anxiety and worry, let there be peace right now. Lord, let there be peace, Lord, just as you spoke peace and the angels spoke peace to the different characters throughout the Christmas story. I pray that your spirit would speak peace to us in this place, God. Lord, I just pray that you meet every financial need, Lord. Those that may be struggling, maybe uh, uh, they're going to lose an apartment or lose a, a house, God. Whatever it is, I pray that you would supernaturally just begin to step into that situation. Those that are grieving the loss of a loved one, Lord, I just pray that you would comfort them during this holiday season, God. I just pray that you would just move by your spirit today. God, we just, uh, we just open ourselves up to what you want to speak to us during this Christmas season. God, I just ask that you would move supernaturally in our hearts. And Lord, that we would go just as, as the shepherds were told to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would open up our ears to hear the word of the Lord today. May our spirits be open to receive what you want to speak to us today. God, we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. And amen. special gifts for you in the lobby at the Welcome Center. We want to give you a t-shirt, a coffee mug, and in the mail we'll send you a Chick-fil-A gift card. And uh, everybody likes the gospel bird. Also, if you're joining us online, you can also just text the word bridge to the number 94,000. Fill out that communication card and we'll get you a gift also. We continue the series today called Embrace the true spirit of Christmas with this message today, embrace Jesus. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. For the last several weeks, we've been in Luke chapter 1, but we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, and we're going to see how Mary, Joseph, they travel to Bethlehem, and we're going to embrace Jesus in the Christmas story. Luke chapter number 2, verses 10 through 16, it says this, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. This was the same words that the angel said to Mary. Do, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. The word Messiah is actually defined deliverer. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another. Let me tell you something about shepherds before we finish reading this. Shepherds were at the lowest uh, 
rung of the ladder in the society in those days. They were thieves. They were not even permitted to give a testimony in the court of law. They were unreliable. They were bandits. And nobody wanted them around. But God came to people that were social outcasts. How many of you know? God came for all of us. Amen? So when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. The baby lying in a manger. Christmas, during Christmas, Christmas is actually God embracing the world. How many of you are ready for Christmas? You're ready for Christmas. How many of you like Christmas? How many of you love Christmas? Come on now. It's not about the presence. It's about actually the presence of God coming to earth in the form of a baby. Christmas is God embracing the world. A year ago, this past week, I was sitting in my office, and it was a cold, rainy day like today, actually. And I got a call, and my son called me off his cell phone, and he said, Dad, where am I? I said, I don't know. Where are you? And he had just left the building and, and went down toward Chesapeake. What happened was he was in a car accident. And if you know anything about Johnstown Road in Chesapeake, there are huge ditches on both sides of that uh, little road there. And he ended up in the bottom of about a 15-foot ditch. He hydroplane went off the road, hit his head when the airbag opened, and got a, a tremendous concussion. Wasn't his first concussion. He had several during his football years playing football in high school and college, but he had a huge concussion. And, and so I skedaddled out of here, out of the building, got in my uh, vehicle and went to Chesapeake and came up on the accident. There were police officers there. There was a, a ambulance there and I talked to the police officer. He said, your son's in the back of the ambulance. He's going to have to go to the hospital. He don't know where he's at. And so I jumped in the ambulance just to see how he's doing. And when I jumped in the ambulance, he stood up and gave me a huge, big embrace, a hug and began to weep. He didn't know where he was at. He didn't know what happened. He didn't know what time of uh, day it was. He didn't even know the year that he was in, but he embraced me and he gave me a hug. There's something about the embrace of a father. Something about the embrace of God. And that's what Christmas is. God was willing to embrace a world that was confused, that was tormented by the enemy. God was willing to come to this world that was an accident because of sin. And God was willing to step in the ambulance of our lives and embrace us and give us a hug even while we were yet sinners. He didn't come to a pristine planet. He didn't come to a, a sanitized people. He came to a people that were filled with sin and filled with murder and filled with adultery and filled with all sorts of ills and ails about them. He was willing to come where we were at. To embrace means to hold tightly, to hug. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, shall not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. 
That's the God we serve. I love this verse in 1 John 4, 10. It says, this is love. How many of you know we live in a world that's constantly defining love and what love is and who you can love and what you should love and how you should love. But God shows us a picture of love. He says, this is love. Look here. Not that we love God. No, there was nothing in us that loved God. But that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for sin. What is an atoning sacrifice? It's the price paid. The payment. The penalty was paid. Jesus became the penalty, the price tag that made us one with God. The word atonement can actually be broken up this way, at one minute. It means to be made one with God. That one time in human history, because of sin, God was separated from humanity, but Christmas was God coming and saying, you can't get to me, but I can get to you. I'm going to become one of you so I can bring the, the chasm close and I can seal the deal and make us one again. It's called reconciliation. Do you know all men are reconciled to God? The Bible teaches us that all of creation, all of humanity, everything in the created order has been reconciled to God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. However, not all men are saved. That's a totally different story. Reconciliation was God's part alone. Becoming like man... So that man can become like God and bring us into unity with God. But salvation is not only God's hand in the matter, but it's also your hand. Because you have to, by faith, trust the sacrifice that God gave for the atonement of you and I. So we have to, by faith, receive the gift of salvation. He said that. This is the love. That we didn't love God. No, 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 no. I didn't come out of my mother's womb and say, praise the Lord. <laughs> no, I didn't love God. No, God loved me first. And I responded when his love was poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit. I said, yes, to grip, to hold tightly, to embrace God. And when we begin to look at this text today, we begin to understand something about an embrace. We begin to understand that, that God devised this plan. He came up with this plan where he would have an angel visit Mary in Luke chapter 1. The angel comes to her and says, Mary, you are highly favored. You're chosen by God. You're blessed. You will conceive and give birth to a child. You will call his name Jesus. And Mary said, how will this be? How, how is that going to happen? I'm a virgin. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and come upon you. And the thing that's happened in you will be conceived by the Holy Spirit, be done by the Holy Spirit. And the only thing Mary had to do was this right here. She had to embrace the purpose of God for her life. And she said this, may it be to me according to your word. Yep. That's the only thing she did. She wasn't the most talented person. She might have. She might have been pretty. We don't know that. The Bible doesn't tell us. She didn't have probably many gifts. She was young and naive, but she was available. 
She was available for God to have his plan, his master plan, come through her life. And in Luke chapter 2, God creates this, this thing called a, a census. Anybody like filling out your census papers every 10 years? I guess it's every 10 years. Man, it just constantly come, constantly come. It's important to fill those out. But God allowed Caesar Augustus to create a census to be taken while Quirinius was the governor that everyone had to go back to their hometown. So that meant when Mary was great with child, had to get in a suburban <laughs> and travel from Nazareth, which was a very insignificant place, so much so, much so that uh, the Gospels say this, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It was such an insignificant place. Mary grew up there. Jesus was considered from there, but he was born in in Bethlehem, which was another small place. It's just a, a small place if you've ever been to Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, its name means the house of bread. They had to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. She had to sit on a donkey. I'm talking about a pregnant lady. I'm talking about a lady that one minute wants a pickle, the next minute wants a piece of pizza. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but my wife was pregnant multiple times. I had to run out and get food multiple times. And when she was pregnant, she was sick. Real sick. Like, lost 50 pounds in her first pregnancy. She was sick. And I had to... i got to say this a good way. <laughs> help her to get to that moment where we had to take her to Chesapeake General so she could give birth to our firstborn son. <laughs> Mary didn't have all the conveniences. She had to <laughs> all the way to Bethlehem. Does any woman in nine months want to do this? For 60 plus miles. I can I can see her nailing Joseph. Joseph walking beside the donkey and she said, <laughs> Why did you hit that bump in the rack? <laughs> I can see her getting ill. You see, we exalt Mary. We we make her pristine, we sanitize her, we make her holy Mary, but Mary was human. Mary popped an attitude. Mary got ill. She had, she, she had her way. She, she had her demeanor. She, she had her way of talking to Joseph and saying, Joseph, why do we, why we have to go all the way here? Won't you just go by yourself? No, we all have to go, Mary. I don't care if we all have to go. Why are you taking me? <laughs> so he gets to Bethlehem. And there's some shepherds there. An angel appears. Don't be afraid. Today in the city of David, the city of David, it's prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. 
It was a prophetic fulfillment of scripture and God designed the census to get Mary from where she was at Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. Let me tell you something. If God has an appointment for you today, he will take you from where you're at to where you need to be. All you have to do is keep walking because the footsteps of a righteous man or a righteous woman are ordered by the Lord. You don't have to work it out in your head. You don't have to design it. You don't have to figure it out. You don't need a blueprint. All you need to do is just keep obeying and keep walking, keep praying and obeying, and God will see you into your purpose. God will fulfill his purpose in your life. Amen. Mary didn't know what it was to have 10 steps, positive steps to get to your destiny book. She had no book. <laughs> The only thing she had was the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and maybe some of the prophetic prophets. And she knew the prophecies. But nobody told her how to give birth to God. She just had to trust God in the process. How many of you have ever heard this, trust the process? How many of you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say trust the process? <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty for some of y'all God never says trust the process the Bible says trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not in your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct what your path meaning I like one translation it says he will make your path straight you get the word picture of God reaching down and taking the road that you're on that's windy and that has curves in it and he just pulls it. <laughs> and he straightens it out for you. Anybody ever had God just to straighten the path out? You were on a crooked road and you were headed nowhere fast. And God just reached down and said, straighten it all out. So we're here in Luke chapter 2. These lowly shepherds, these nobodies, these insecure, unreliable people the courts didn't even trust them. God takes an angel. The angel preaches to those guys that Jesus is coming. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. And they hurry off and they find Jesus there in Bethlehem. Now when you begin to think about this, they found Mary. They found Joseph. But the star of this story in Luke chapter 1 is not John the Baptist. It's not Elizabeth or Zechariah. It's not the angel that appeared to Mary. It's not Mary or Joseph. It's not Quirinius. It's not Caesar Augustus. It's not the shepherds. It's not the angel. It's not the heavenly host. It's not even the star that's in the sky. The star of this story, the main character of the story, is Jesus. And those shepherds came and saw what the angel preached to them about. They came and they laid their eyes on Jesus. God picked the most unreliable people in society to become his voice of evangelism. The Bible says after they saw him, they went out and told people. Amen. Some of y'all think God only picks those people who live on the ocean front 
Jesus, you discover, number one, joy. Joy. Notice, I did not say you discover happiness. No, I said you, you discover joy. Look what the angel said to them. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you what? Bad news. No. Good news. Of what? Good news that will cause what? Great joy. When's the last time you had some good news that made you laugh? When's the last time you had some good news that made you run around your house? God was saying, the news I'm bringing you is good news. It's going to cause great joy. For who? For all who? People. It would be for all people. White people, black people, Hispanic people, Latino people, Filipino people. African people, Old English people, come on, Middle Eastern people, Israelis, Iranians. It said this good news of great joy will be for all people. Jesus did not come just for a segment of society. Jesus came for the whole of society. Amen. Everybody can grab the good news and experience the great joy that's for all people. So you discover joy. See, if I said discover happiness, you know, happiness is external. Happiness is something that happens to me and around me. Happiness is dependent upon something happening to me. Like if I wake up on Christmas morning and I get a gift that I was not expecting, I'll make a couple laps around the Christmas tree. <laughs> but it's based on what's happening to me. That's what happiness is. If the Cowboys beat the Giants today, I'll be happy. Christmas miracle. I'll laugh. I'll call Mike Autry, our drummer. <laughs> Just rag him a little bit. I might even post something on Facebook. Why? I'm happy. It's happening to me. It's happening externally around me. It is something that that is happening around me, but it's not happening in me. It's temporal. Because the, we all know the Cowboys can win a day and lose three straight. <laughs> We've seen that. We've seen Dak Prescott look like Tom Brady for five weeks. And then he ended up looking like the worst quarterback in the world. We, we've seen that. Anybody seen that? Why? Because it's temporal. It's subject to change. Everything in your life is subject to change. You might get a check in the mail tomorrow and it might make you happy, but the next day you might get a bill. 
<laughs> you don't discover happiness. You discover joy. Why? Because joy is internal. It is eternal because it comes from God. And it's not dependent upon what's happening around you, but it's dependent upon what's happening in you. In him we live and move and have our being. In him we have joy. It's this internal thing that's eternal and not dependent upon my circumstances. You see, joy is from God. It's not from the government. It doesn't come from my spouse. It doesn't come from my employer. It doesn't come from my business. It doesn't come from my job. It doesn't come from the church I attend. It doesn't come from the people I know. It doesn't come from having a good workout at One Life Fitness. <laughs> joy comes from God. And number two, joy is a choice. Just made some of you mad. Joy is a choice. Did you know, out of everything that's happened over the last 19 months in our society, I had a choice. I could choose to be mad, choose to be sad, or I could choose joy. But I choose to choose joy. Why? Because the joy of the Lord. It's my strength. It's Nehemiah. Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It makes you strong. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know who I'm married to. You don't know my employer. You don't know my background. You don't know my raising. You don't know how I was raised. You don't know my family lineage. You don't, you don't know anything about me. You don't know what neighborhood I live in. I don't have to know that. I do know that joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. James, the half-brother of Jesus, in chapter 1 of James, verse 2, he says, Consider it all joy, brethren. He's talking to you, so he's talking to me. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you enter into various trials, knowing that the testing or tempting of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be complete, lacking in nothing. You've got to understand, when you go through trials, you've got to consider it joy, because on the other side of that trial is Christ-likeness, it's endurance, it's perseverance. God is completing the work that he began in you. Oftentimes, we ask God, Lord, I want you to do something in me, and as soon as he puts us in a trial, we try to jump out. Yes. <laughs> How many of you know, you don't know what's in you until you've been in a good fight? Come on now. Come on. It, you don't know there's a cuss in you until you get pressure. You don't know there's a, all those words in you until your, your boss man tells you something to do. And it becomes a trial in your mind and you just let out a couple four-letter words. What is that doing? The trial of your life and the pressures of your life expose the internal part of your soul. And so I have to consider it joy. I don't like this situation. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose to walk in the Spirit because I know when I walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in me. His fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, love, joy, 
peace, patience in the trial. I need patience in the trial. I need peace in the trial. I need joy in the trial. I need to love the people around me in the trial. I choose joy. Yeah, I choose joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. I choose joy. Then you got to discover hope. Say hope. Look what it says. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior. Isn't that a beautiful word, Savior? Some translations translate it this way, rescuer. You ever been rescued? That, that you see yourself that, that God rescued? You can do it yourself. He said he's the Messiah, the deliverer, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby in clothes and lying in a manger. Look here. It wasn't uncommon to see a baby wrapped in clothing or cloth. But it was uncommon for a baby to be lying in a manger. Because a manger was made out of a feed trough that was used to feed livestock. And they put the baby there. But he said in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The Lord. What he was saying, there's hope today because I'm sending Jesus who is, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, our living hope. You know what hope is? Hope is not maybe so, hope so, wish so, I hope this works out. Hope is confident expectation that something is going to happen. It's confident expectation. I'm expecting God to work this out. I have hope. My hope is not built on the fairy tales of this world. My hope is built on Jesus Christ, who is my firm foundation. And because Jesus is the anchor, and because Jesus is the foundation of my life, I have hope. I have confident expectation. It's not a wish. It's not maybe so, or I think so. It's these words. I know so. I have confident expectation. I, have, I know God's going to work it out. I don't understand why my kids are acting crazy, but I have confident expectation that God is going to save my children. I don't know how he's going to do it, but his word says he is the rescuer. He is the savior. He is the Messiah, the deliverer. All I need to do is trust him. I've got confident expectation. What he did in the past, he'll do in the present. What he did in the present, he'll do in the future. I am confident that God is able to do exceeding abundantly of all that I could ask or think. I'm confident. I've got hope today. Don't let the enemy steal your hope. And when he tries to, remember Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. How many of you know hope always pulls you into your future? One of the worst things people can do in society is lose hope. Because when things become hopeless... Future becomes bleak and life is no longer worth living. Don't lose hope. Say, Pastor, how, how can I not lose hope? Embrace Jesus. Embrace Jesus, who is the living hope. Not only do you embrace hope, but you have to discover hope, but you have to discover peace. Peace. Look what he says. He says, Glory to God in the highest heaven 
and on earth where? On earth what? Peace. Now you can't just stop there. You got to keep reading the Bible. Who's the peace going to? It's going to those on whom his favor rests. Where does God's favor rest? It rests on his children. How do I become a child of God? Come on, we've got to follow it to the logical conclusion. I become a child of God by receiving the free gift of salvation that's offered to me through Jesus Christ. And when that happens, the favor that was on Jesus is now on me. And everything that Jesus is and, and has gets in me. So I become a person of peace. Why? Because he promised on earth there will be peace to those. Say those. Say I'm one of those. And if, you, if you're not, you can be one of those today. I'm one of those. I'm favored by God. And because I'm favored by God, I become a person that has the peace of God today. Did you know in the Bible that this word peace is used 790 times? And in the Bible, in reality, peace is not the absence of war. It's not the absence of trouble. It's not the absence of an argument. It's not, it's not the absence of all the trials that you go through in life. Peace is this inner tranquility of the soul and the heart. That's what peace is. And when you look at the Bible, there are basically three types of peace. There's spiritual peace, which is the eternal peace with God. Peace with God. That comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ, that free gift we've been talking about. I have peace with God right now. Romans 5.1 says, since therefore we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's that spiritual peace. But how many of you know that spiritual peace has to lead, lead to emotional peace? But I, there are sometimes when the world seems like it's falling apart. Our emotions begin to fall apart. We get very emotional. We don't know whether to laugh or cry, shout or scream, become angry or sad. But we need that emotional peace. That emotional peace is this right here. It's the internal peace of God. Oh, that peace of God. Not just peace with God. God supplied that through Jesus Christ. But this internal peace, the peace of God, where Paul writes in Philippians while he's in a jail in Philippians 4, 4, 4 through 8, he, he writes this in there. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God Say, peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many of you know we're living in a day where mind games and mind battles seem to be overwhelming for many people? It's the stuff that we bring in through social media, through the medium of television, the constant barragement and and barrage of negative news. And now we're having to play and fight the enemy that's trying to suck all the life out of our minds. 
And therefore, we need to put on the helmet of salvation, which guards our hearts and our minds. Be anxious for nothing. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. There's no way I can be anxious for nothing. Oh, yes, there is. The God of peace gave you peace with himself so that you could have the peace of God in your life today. Peace is the antidote for worry and anxiety. Jesus said, do not worry. That's in his classic Sermon on the Mount. Or where you will live. And he makes a comparison. He says, look at the birds over there, the sparrows. If I take care of them, some of y'all need to go out tomorrow when the sun comes back out and find a bird and look at it. God's taking care of that bird. That bird has a nest. He has a tree to roost in at night. He has food every day of his life. I don't see that bird taking Prozac. <laughs> they don't even know what it is. A bird looks so just like got no care in the world. Just like, come on. Just flies over your house, lands on your house. He don't care. You watch birds. But you watch Christians. <laughs> What's going to happen? I can't control everything. And they are stressed. No joy. No peace. God says, hold up. Don't worry. Look at the bird. If I take care of them, how much more will I take care of you? How much more? You being the direct image of God. God says, I'll take care of you. So, we have peace with God. We have the peace of God, which is this emotional peace. And then we have relational peace. Say relational peace. Relational. It's peace with others. It's this external. And this is where it gets tricky. I can have spiritual peace, and I can have emotional peace. But man, somehow the enemy fights me over my relationship. Some of you came in here and you were fighting when you came in. Why? Because the devil hates relationships. But I know this. If he begins to really put pressure on your relationships, he can suck the peace of God out of you. But you got to go back to the spiritual. you got to go back to the spiritual peace. That this is right. That spiritual peace with God should begin to flow in your, into your emotions, your mind, your will, and should flow into your relationships. Even when you look at the cross, oftentimes we, we begin to look at the cross and it says it's where God, he began to correct our relationship with him. How many of you know there is a vertical beam on the cross, but there's a horizontal beam? Oftentimes, Christians get real religious and say, me and Jesus is all right. 
everyday relationships are in turmoil. Come on, your horizontal relationship, your spiritual peace should flow into your relationships. I'm preaching good here today. I am. Did you know when it begins to flow into your relationships, it begins to flow into your mind and your emotions. Proverbs says a heart at peace gives life to the body. Could it be we're making our own self sick? Because we're not at peace. We stay up. We don't get our seven, eight hours of sleep. We sleep three hours a night. And we go for 30 years. And then we discover, I don't know why I got cancer. Well, it could be three hours of sleep for 20 years. Worry, stress, growing old before you should. A heart at peace gives life to the body. You might be saying, where's that at? Proverbs 14, 30. I'm glad you <laughs> A heart at peace gives life to, to the body. I, I, want my, I, want, I want to live a long life. See, I've, I've come to discover everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. We all try to stay alive. Plug me up. Don't you let me slip into that grave. But the simple truth is we all die, but I want life. I want life all the way to the end. A heart at peace gives life to the body. Look here. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Look here, since as members of one body, one church, say it's one church. One church. We're one church, universal church. You were called to peace. Did you know God called you to peace? That's who you are. Not only do you discover peace, but you discover love. Say love. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And they found Jesus. They found the love of God. That a God who was silent for 400 years would now condescend and be born as a human through Mary. The epitome of you embrace Jesus. They embrace Jesus. They embrace the love of God. The love of God. They found it. They could have focused in on Mary and had a conversation with her. They could have focused in on Joseph, had a conversation with him. In all your searching, the greatest thing you'll ever find is Jesus. Amen. And the Bible, the New Testament shows us the heart and character of God. Where 1 John says, God is love. It's a story in Luke chapter 15. I'm wrapping this up. Matter of fact, just go ahead and stand. Often called the lost son. The son came to his father and said, Father, I want my inheritance. The father gave him his inheritance. He left home. 
Bible says he went to a distant country and lived it up and riotously he wasted all his father's inheritance. Bob says at the end of that he found himself as a hired hand on a farm. He found himself eating with the pigs, but he had a aha moment. He said, why am I here? Why don't I go back to my father's house? Even there, man, I'd be treated better as a hired hand servant than I'm being treated right now. And he gets up and he goes back toward the father's house. The Bible says when the boy was off a distance, the father saw him. stand on the porch and say, here comes that sorry, no good for nothing, second son of mine. No, no, no. The Bible says he pulled up his tunic, his cloak, and he began to run. I mean, think of this. This is a picture of God. It's not God running from you, it's God running to you. Ran to him, and the Bible says he embraced him. He embraced him. And he kissed him on his neck, his cheek. It's the kiss of forgiveness. He took a ring and he put it on his finger, declaring sonship. He took his cloak off and put it over and covered his nakedness. Put some shoes on his feet. Because you know, servant slaves didn't have shoes. When he put shoes on his son's feet. He was saying, son, you're not a slave. You're my son. You're my son. But did you know there were two prodigals? One who was on the outside of the house and there was one on the inside of the house. The one on the inside of the house got mad. There was a prodigal on the inside. There was a prodigal on the outside. The prodigal on the outside wasted his inheritance. The prodigal on the inside did not take advantage of his inheritance. Did you know the church is the same way? There are prodigals on the outside that are wasting their lives and wasting the inheritance. But there are prodigals on the inside The prodigal on the inside got mad when the father threw a party. Got mad when the time was redeemed. Got mad at his younger brother. Let me ask you this. Which prodigal are you? son that didn't take advantage of the inheritance and he loved the son that wasted the inheritance. Which one are you? What a story of love. Love so divine. 
embrace Jesus is to embrace the true meaning of Christmas. Can we just bow our heads where we're at? If you're online, I just want you to bow your head. Peace like quiet waters over that room. As the world rocks and reels, and as confusion settles over the lands of the earth, your peace like radiant light would come upon them and in them. And they would arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord will rise upon them. The glory of peace, the glory of tranquility, the glory of rest and the beauty of your holiness to be upon that room. There will be such a peace on you that people will be amazed. God will settle you. He will be your peace. And you will possess the words of Jesus. My peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. Holy Spirit, come in a supernatural way. Live in us. Be peace. Peace be still. Peace be still. Peace be still. Be still and know I am the Lord. Hear God saying that, be still and know I am the Lord. I am the Lord that saves. I am the Lord that delivers. I am the Lord that heals. I am the Lord that restores. Be still and know I am God. I am Jehovah Shalom, your peace. I am your peace. I So